Well, welcome everyone. Thank you for tuning in on our second live podcast for the year. Unfortunately, it is after a rather disappointing loss to the Crosstown team, the Giants. Uh, it's kind of it's a bit bit of a strange match. We beat them pretty well about three weeks ago, but. They seem to have the wood over us in finals, so it is time for our post-match mortem. A bit of an autopsy, given just the performance on the weekend, especially kicking three goals for almost... Well, two goals, rather, for more than three quarters of the match. Uh, it took until the last two minutes for us to even hit the scoreboard again. So with me, I have Stephen Trelaw. Stephen, hello. G'day, mate. Also got Stephen Park. Stephen, Hello. G'day, Justin. How are you going? Good, mate. Good. And we've got Josh Ma as well. Josh, hello. G'day, boys. How are we? Good, good. So the interesting thing that came out of the match, apart from the press conference, which was a bit depressing, and also the uh, commentary from Josh Kennedy after the match when he was interviewed, which said he was very sorry for letting the fans and the players and everyone down, was the fact that it was two minutes away from being our worst ever finals performance. Uh, yeah, MN Donny. Uh, we're not really laughing because it's funny. We're, we're laughing because we're in pain. It's uh, guys, would you uh, laugh of, over the match from the hilarity or from pain? Because I'm thinking more pain than anything else. Nothing funny about that. No. It's, no it's, oh, come um, on, it, come on! It was a it was a classic clown case, wasn't it? <laughs> Seriously, it, it was. It was. They, they turned up. They they showed up. It was like you know. When you go to one of those birthday parties and they show up with a clown and they've paid a hundred bucks and they're hopeless, I reckon that's what it was, wasn't it? Seriously, it wasn't actually a football match. It was a, it was a classic clown case. Come on. Oh, I don't know, but uh, Josh, I think you've um, you actually sent a message to me earlier today that uh, you had a way to describe the match. I want you to actually go through what you said. Oh man, I'm going to have to go and open it up. I closed it. I didn't realise it was going to get used. Oh, I said it's going to be your first thing, mate. Come on, on the ball. Oh, jeez. Oh, hold on a second. Let me... Something you guys keep talking, I'll find it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look. Um, yeah, all right, now I've got it here. Go I've got ahead, it. Go I've just it, found it. it. All right. So, you know that feeling you get when you go to KFC, you get the burger and chips, upsize it, and munch away. It's really bloody enjoyable at first, tasty even. But half an hour later, you start having regrets and wonder why you keep going back. It looked promising beforehand and tasty when you started to eat. Before the meal ends, you realise it's a sloppy, tasteless mess of jumbled ingredients with a couple of good bits. But overall, it's a really unsatisfying meal. That's what the season feels like to me. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to get your thoughts on that, guys. Don't all jump in, Stephen and Josh. It's <laughs> pretty accurate, I reckon. Um, it has been disappointing from the start with, you know, flashes of hope. And, you know, where our original game plan works, where the, you know, high intensity, um, where we can be allowed to play that scrappy football and make it work, then it has been enjoyable to watch at times. But, um, yeah, in the end, I think in the floor of stat, um, I could be wrong, but I think it was something like, we've played, so we've played, what is it, 24 games this, this season, including the final. Yeah. And we've had 24 goal quarters. Yeah, 23 goals quarters, Stephen. Yeah, there was another there one um, where we had also, I think it was more than a dozen consecutive goals quarters as well. Oh, why? Yeah, it's... Um, 
It's been really, really, really bad. I mean, we're getting some good questions coming in um, straight off uh, from Facebook. Um, we're not going to be Skyping today, but we're just going to be doing it on Messenger. Um, Dylan Humphreys, who he asks, who wins our best and fairest, guys? I would like to get your thoughts on that. So, Stephen Trelaw, first off, who do you think wins our BNF? Uh, first, in terms of just consistency throughout the season, Jake Lloyd for me. Um, I mean... Even the, the last game against the Giants, he only had 17 touches, but he went at 82% efficiency, seven rebound, 50s, nine marks. So he wasn't too terrible um, compared to everyone else on the team. But uh, for the season as a whole, I reckon Jake Lloyd has it pretty comfortably. Uh, George Hewitt or Jake Lloyd would be my two guesses. I would say George Hewitt just because of how influential he's actually been on the opposition midfielders throughout the year. All right, and Josh? I would have had uh, Lloydie and Hewitt um, either first or second, all the way around, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Franklin polls highly or maybe even steals it. And I know he missed a few games, but I think they're going to rate him very highly because yep. he played injured all year, and that seemed to be a big factor in where he polled last year in the BNF. Yeah, another player, I mean, obviously, George Hewitt, he had a really, really good season. And for, I'd say, more than half the season, he was basically our best contested ball winner. Uh, Callum Sinclair, as well, uh, he had a very good season, a very, very good first half. He sort of dropped off as the season went on. I think those two are going to factor up there with Lloyd and, and Franklin. But the interesting thing, guys, uh, we'll get on to the match in a moment. Um uh, I think it's a little bit worthwhile talking a little bit about the players, not for too long, but there is talk, obviously, for a long time now that Lloyd is going to leave. He's out of contract at the end of the season. Um, he's basically... I, I'm not quite sure if he's a restricted free agent yet. Uh, Stephen, you'd know more about this than I would, but he hasn't signed on. There's been an offer for a contract for a long time, but he just hasn't signed. So I think we have to look at the fact that he's probably going to leave. Nick Newman as well. He's a middle-aged player who hasn't even played 50 games. Uh, last year, there was some questions. This year, he hasn't even signed a contract. So, again, he's another one who could be out. And then you look at players like Sam Reed and Gary Rowan, who have been perennially injured, constantly injured, actually. Um, we're not taking calls yet, Ali. Um, please stop calling. Uh, and there's a bunch of other players as well that are out of contract. So Stephen Troll, I'd like to get your thoughts on those players and then we'll go to you, Parky, and then to you, Josh. So Stephen, kick us off. Yeah. So firstly, and probably most importantly, um, we'll start with, uh, Lloyding. Um, I wrote the irony of me going, uh, Lloyd, uh, Brian, um, he's <laughs> 25 going on 26. So in terms of age and being the whole free agent thing, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, where he lands on it, he might just be like an out of contract sort yeah. of thing. Um, but from what I've heard, GWS, not GWS, Gold Coast um, might be going after him. Um, that's just kind of the whispers I've heard. But there hasn't been too much um, talk around him for me because he's been, you know, one of our shining lights and certainly can look up the ball. He's been pretty much any small you would think. Um, who are those other players you, was, you were saying, Justin? So Nick um, Newman is also out of contract. Uh, I mean, you can talk about Dean Towers and Robbie Fox if you want. They're out of contract as well. I mean, they're basically gone. Um, out of contract is also Jordan Foote, uh, James Rose, but they're basically as good as gone. The two contracted ones yep. were Sam Reed and Gary Rowan. Yeah, 
Yeah, so Rowan, um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but apparently this is on the, um, you know, some of the Facebook NFL pages, so um, how you know reliable this information is, I'm not too sure at all, but um, apparently there was word that Gary Rowan was uh, having a walk down Arden Street uh, with a couple of the North Melbourne players and their general manager or something. So, I mean, I think I speak for quite a few of us um, certainly talking now that we'd be pretty happy to see Gary Rowan go. If we can get something half decent for him, that would be great. Um, Mason Wood. But, yeah, I'll, <laughs> yeah. Mason Wood, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll take it. Um, and also, I mean, there's talk every year that he might go to Geelong as well because he's a Geelong boy. Um, but, yeah, it's just uh, little mutterings here and there. Sam Reid... Um, I'm not sure who would go for him, really. I mean, he's had so many injury problems in the past. Um, and I haven't heard too much myself. I can try and keep an eye out on all the, you know, rumoured pages, and I'll call them just that, rumours. But, uh, yeah, I haven't heard too much already at this stage. But I wouldn't be surprised if we got, like, maybe a one-year or two-year extension um, yeah. from us in the off-season. Yeah. Now, Parky, um, I know Newman, he's a, you're a fan of his, a big fan of his. What are your thoughts on him and Lloydie? Do you think they're going to be with the club next year? All right. <clears throat> well, Justin, I just went outside. I picked up some grass. I threw it in the air. <laughs> and I said to myself, where is this going to go? Just like the old great Matthew Lloyd used to do when he was going for goal. And the wind drifted off to the left. And I thought, that's a sign. Jake Lloyd is out the door. Yep. He's gone. Nick Newman... I think he's going to actually stay now. I actually thought right throughout the year, I thought he was going, he was gone. I didn't think he was going to get a game. But I just have this feeling now, he seems to have actually picked up over the last five or six weeks, and I reckon he's close to signing. I actually yep. believe he will stick around. And I think he's actually got some quite a, quite a good group of friends there. So if I think they sign AJ again, I reckon he'll stick around. Yeah, it, it's an interesting situation, really, when you think about it. I, I was always thinking that maybe one of those two would stay, but, I mean, the, it's the end of the season and it's still out of contract as well. Josh, as well, what do you think of those two, plus Sam Reed and Gary Rowan? Oh, I, I don't know. Look, I'm not a Gary... I'm going to start from the bottom. I'm not a Gary hater, but, you know, if you wanted to move back to Victoria, I think Steve and I'd go up and help him move. Um that's for sure, Josh. That's definitely for sure. <laughs> Would, wouldn't be a problem. Uh, Sam Reid, look, I, I think he's still in our books for a couple more years. I, I can't see him being... I don't think he's got any currency with the amount of you know injuries he's had over the last couple of years and his lack of game time. Um, Lloydie, my take on Lloydie is um, a little bit more optimistic now. If you had asked me that two months ago, I would have said he's gone, but they've stopped talking about him. You know, um, Stewie Jew was asked about it in the media here a few weeks back, and he seemed to be, uh, you know, <clears throat> surprised that the Suns had offered him a million dollars or whatever it was uh, as well. He didn't seem to know anything about it. And the club's put out a little bit of press the last week or two uh, with interviews with Jakey Lloyd and that. And they normally don't do that kind of stuff unless they're going to re-sign them. They normally go quiet on them. Um, so my hope is there that he's either about to sign or yep. he's... Uh, or he has signed, and it's just not official yet. And uh, there was a comment in the Herald Scum down in Victoria here a few, uh, probably two weeks ago from quoting Tom Harley saying that they were really close to a deal then. Um, 
and the fact that he's not getting talked about a lot in the media says he's probably not getting shopped around by his agent either. So, yeah, and that was that. Who was the other player you mentioned? Oh, so it was Gary Rowan, Sam Lloyd, and uh, Nick Newman. Nick Newman. I, I'm actually optimistic on on Newman at the moment again. I wouldn't have been there a couple of months ago, but he looks like he's fitting back in. He's certainly not the biggest problem in our team by a long shot, even though his kicking is a little bit dodgy. Um, uh, but I always hoped he was going to stay anyway, so yeah, I'll wait and see on him. Yeah, hey, Justin, can I jump yep. in? Go for it, mate. Um, I'd actually say there's another guy I'd actually be looking at trading out as well. Yep. And that's a guy who wants a permanent move into our midfield. And I think I'd trade this guy out for a packet of chips at the moment. And that's Zach Jones. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, he was not a good matchup for Toby Green. And we actually have had quite a few comments about the uh, Toby Green. Um, what do you think of the uh, sidekick, the karate actions? Um, should he get banned? John Fanning, uh, he said the Green issue needs to be addressed. It's AFL, not karate. Studs are different to knees. The AFL needs to address this. The action is offensive, not defensive. You should have heard the crowd uh, at, the gr- at the ground. They were feral every time he went up for it. He um, almost got Aaliyah in the face. That's why Aaliyah had his arm yeah, he after halftime. And um, I can't remember the other player who went for the ball and he stuck his studs into his chest as well. Um, it was Aaliyah, Aaliyah. No, in the, like the third or fourth quarter after, after the Aaliyah one. He did it to two players. I can't remember the second player. Jones almost got kicked in the face at one stage. Oh, yeah, it was, it was Jones. Jones. Yeah, yeah Jones, Jones, yeah. yeah. I think that was yeah. when he got like his second or third goal. He's an absolute little shit of a player, honestly. Um, I hate him. Um, some of the questions uh, and comments that came yesterday, um, I had to sort of try and keep things a little bit uh, balanced on, on the block online on Facebook. It was a bit hard, uh, especially coming back from the airport in a very foul mood. Rowan, who we've had on a few times, uh, he said Plan A has to work one of these seasons, guys. Plan A, can we actually get it working? No. Fair enough. No. <laughs> I don't even know what no. Plan A is anymore. We don't have like a game style that's that's even identifiable. And we'll discuss that a little bit. Not in the second half. It doesn't include accurate kicking. It doesn't no. include lowering the eyes when delivering the ball inside 450. It kind of there's always there's always you know going hard at the ball, but you know every other team does that tries to do that as well. There's nothing kind of unique or even really that effective really that I'm seeing at the moment. Yeah, like Penny Penny said to me, Penny's Mrs. Blogs, she said to me that she saw a comment that basically said, um, and also her mum as well backed this up that basically Longmire is kind of stuck in the wrong century as far as coaching goes. He's coaching a very um, contested, very slow style of game. But we can't keep up with the faster teams. It's just like this really bizarre style of play at the moment. Um, and that contrasts so heavily with the first half of the season as well. Yeah. Yeah, Parky? You know, I, I, I thought the first half of the season that we, we looked like we were going at. Certainly after round one over in West Coast, I thought, oh, you know, we're actually going to have a crack at really running and carrying the ball. And... And for some quarters, you get like a quarter of a game where you do that, but um, it's become increasingly inconsistent uh, in the back end of the season. Yeah, you have to wonder whether or not um, the fitness is really there from some of the players. We're asking Ben Ronk, uh, who's a 20-year-old who's played basically small forward for his entire career. Uh, Oliver Florent, who's 19. Will Hayward, who's I think almost 20. And a couple of other players who are really around that 20 to 22 age bracket with about 50, 60 games experience to try and do that. But Steve, you uh, you want to say something real quick just then? 
Yeah, I did. So basically, I'm going back to a, a an interview we did a while ago with um, Ted Richards and Stephen. Yep. I know you were on that one as well, and Justin. And I remember him talking about the game style, and basically, he actually said in that interview that the game style was bomb it long, bottle it up in the forward line, and then work it out from there. That's the game style he's trying to play now, still. But the trouble is, our intensity and pressure around the ball in the forward line and around the forward 50 isn't strong enough to actually do that anymore. Yeah. And because our midfielders don't have elite kicking skills, it doesn't work to actually lower the eyes and actually hit a target either. If mm. you actually look at it, our kicking efficiency for a top eight side or even a top ten side is the worst. Like especially yeah. from our midfielders. Yeah, it, it really it really is bad. I mean, you there's instances throughout the game last night when Hanbury had time and space and he just butchered it. I mean, like there were there were kicks there that I couldn't even believe I was seeing with my own eyes. Yeah, I, there's got to be some serious questions about Hanbury's. I, I, I'm on the Hanbury bandwagon, but yeah, I, I pretty much fell off it last night and landed on my yeah. head. Yes, yeah, and I still got the concussion. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've still got to wonder just how, just what his fitness issues actually are, and just you know how munted his pelvis is after playing last year with OP for the whole season. I've just got some serious questions about his um his fit. You know his his mechanics. His running action and his kicking action, because he's the worst he's ever been, despite the fact he's uninjured, supposedly. Yeah. yeah. So look, um, before we continue, what I will do, I'm going to play uh, a uh, segment from the uh, from the press conference from uh, from last night from from Coach John Longmire. Uh, just waiting for it to load. You guys have probably heard it. And can, just hold on. Can, one can I just add a bit to? Yep. I'll go ahead yep. and I'll play it after you. Yep. So just on that, and I've um, actually it's actually been reported to me from someone that was at the game yesterday that there was a bit of a confrontation between Buddy Franklin and Dan Hanabry after the game. Whether that's the case or not, I oh. do not know, but they were meant to have had a bit of an argument either yeah. in the last few minutes of the game or after the game was finished. Yeah, there was a bit of finger pointing and arguing and things like that, and I'd Hanbury was doing that all match though. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. All right, so, I'm going to play this now, that, um, Steve. I'm going to play yep. it now. So hold on a sec. Well, I didn't. You know, you don't. You know, I didn't see that coming. As far as a disappointing performance like that, um, it's um, you know we have been sort of for a month of you know playing pretty solid footy and. And um, just didn't really any part of the game didn't get right. It wasn't as if there was one. I think they kicked five goals too from defensive stoppages. Now that's really a strength. Has been a strength of ours, and we, you know, we we're usually pretty good at the discipline part of it, and and then the hardness and the scramble and getting our structures right. Well, they just kicked goal after goal after goal from their defensive fifty stoppages. I think they kicked forty points from stoppages, and you know we're normally really good at those areas, and so. So look at it all, and just our head wasn't there where it needed to be. We just didn't get anywhere near into the type of ball that we like to play. Oh, well, I mean, Lance was Lance was deep. We couldn't do much more with him. Um, you know, he's, he, he played. Um, he, uh, you know, Phil was good. Um, tip your head to Phil. 
Was there any yeah. doubt on Lance for the game play? Yeah, there was. But um, you know, once you once you play, you got to play. Um, you know, that's that's the reality. Was you know, we got to we got to find a way when we get out there. I don't think that was the the difference in the game. Um, we'd always back Lance in the play. When I say there was a doubt about him, there was probably yesterday. He was going to play today. Once he got through the play, um, you always back him in because he's such a competitor. But you know, that was. I look at the other things. Rather than that, there were so many other things, you know, the contested ball, the ball movement, um, the stuff that we just um, we just didn't get right, the fumbles, the everything else, the lack of just winning our contests. That was the thing. I mean, the hard ball gets was probably 20 differential, so I'm not sure it was, you know, it was, a, it was just the Lance Franklin, Phil Davis duel. It was you know, 20 differential and a hard ball get is, um, you know, normally a strength of ours that turned out to be a very big weakness tonight. Uh, like what Longmire said is, it's pretty incredible. But I, I guess, like he's saying, you know, there was a twenty differential in the contested, you know, ball. But even when we did win it, and we did win, you know, enough of our own ball to actually do something with it. The biggest problem was when we actually had the ball, we butchered it worse than I've ever seen us do before, pretty much in any game I've ever watched with us. How much yeah. of that's mental, though? Yeah, well. Because even, even guys who are typically good ball users were pretty poor last night. Like Macca, Macca even Macca had had you know his second half was pretty average, you know, and his standards quite high. And um, he, he, when you see Macca missing sort of ten meter passes by foot, you know you're having a dirty night. Yeah, absolutely. Just Kennedy was the same. He had a shocker. Oh, Kennedy, yeah. Um, that was the worst game I've seen him play, to be honest. On Josh Kennedy, he's, and I'm looking also into the future as well, he's hit 30 now, 30 years old, and at the moment it seems to me, I'm not sure if you guys agree or not, but he seems he's still trying to be you know, the main general when it comes to getting in on the footy, and I think it's probably safe to say, or maybe it's not, uh, you guys can butt in, but can he, is he kind of starting to, he's hit his peak and now he's starting to dip a bit in terms of what he can uh, do in terms of output? Well, it kind of makes you wonder how much of a burden the captaincy's actually been on him. Since he was made captain, he's really sort of fallen away. Would you would you say that as well, um, Stephen, there? Uh, whether it's, um, there are many factors that it could be. Um Personally, I'm thinking it's probably more perhaps age rather than anything else. Um, it's a when you do the job he does in an AFL game, you get battered from pillar to post all day, and whether he can keep it up to the same, um, you know, same standard he has been doing so absolutely brilliantly for the past few years, you know, I think it's a question, especially after that Giants game, the question that to be raised. Yeah. Yeah, look, um, it, it's it's a bit of a bit of a weird situation, really. Um, so Robert Lindy, um, he said on uh, Facebook, he more commenting. Do you think Horse told us something we did not? Uh, that didn't, you know, you didn't have to be, did not have to be smart to work that out. And I think he's referring more to some of the way that the guys played. Um, I mean, there's been some questions whether or not the players are actually playing for him. If he's lost a bit of the playing group, 
if their heads are dropping, things like that, or if it's just um, the senior players are lost the the urge after two grand final losses. I mean, what do you guys think? There's Anyone? a certain amount of comments, uh, a certain amount of sense in that. You know, if we're worried about the players' heads dropping, I thought, I thought after, you know, just on last night's game, I thought that, um, that you know, after the Giants kicked their second or third in the, in the second half, I thought that, um, I thought they noticeably blew up on the park, and they, their heads did drop, and I'd sort of forgive that if it was the one game, but that seems to be a repeating pattern over the last couple of years. Um, Certainly happened the first six rounds of last season, um, but uh, we look we look fragile mentally, and that's not that's not something I'm accustomed to seeing the Swans do. Yeah, sorry, sorry about the background the... noise there. Someone's cleaning, I think. <laughs> I think some the big issue we have is that basically there's two reasons. Number one, we have no plan B, so we go into a game and we try and play the same style of football that we've always played, and if it doesn't work, it, we basically fall in the heap. The second yeah. one is, it's something that I've been saying, and which I've actually said to John Longmire himself, our kicking efficiency since 2014 has been abysmal. We basically can't hit targets on a regular basis when we're under pressure. We just bomb the ball long, and we hope for the best. We've just been lucky that we had the players around the ball who could win it out. Our midfield and our forward line strength isn't there now to actually play that brand of football, that style of football. And I don't think the current crop of players that we've got coming in as young guys, who are a lot of outside runners, are going to be strong enough to play that style of football either. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. It's a good point you make, like especially with the players. If you look at the team in 2016... Maybe we overachieved a little bit. Maybe we underachieved. But you can't help but think, and I don't know if you'd like be remorseful of the fact that, like for instance, Tom Mitchell has gone or sort of wish he was still at the club. I don't really think so. But you can't help but think back that when he was in the team, it freed up Josh Kennedy and Luke Parker and a couple of the other players to do what they did best because the teams, they had to worry about three or four players to tag and they couldn't tag them all. And if they tried to tag them all, and the Swans had more players on the outside that could hurt you. And now it's like, well, Josh Kennedy's playing really about 75% of his best. Luke Parker's playing about the same 75%. Hanabry's playing at about 50%. I mean, you really only have to tag one. And the midfield think, just um, falls to pieces. I think, um, I think this, this not so much trade period, uh, because I don't think, is from what I understand, that there's really nothing on... The free agency market that we'd be looking at getting, um, unless some, you know, never say never, but at the moment, from what's published and is out there in media land, there's nothing that, um, nothing we we would be interesting that wants to go anywhere, doesn't that wants to come to, to New South Wales? They all want to go back to Victoria. Yeah. Um, I think I think once the the draft happens, and we see what we do there, I think we'll get probably a good a reasonable understanding then of, of what they're trying to do with the list um, but um, yeah I think I'm just as confused as everyone at the moment about where we're at yeah it's it's a bit of a weird one I mean we've been in transition the last couple of years but we've been what well, I mean bringing in so many young players guys that it's just kind of screwed up the entire balance like 
when you look at the team, you've got Tom McCartan, the youngest player in a competition, playing a key position role. Uh, and he's forced to do that because Kurt Tippett retired after ankle surgery. Sam Naismith um, did his ACL, which meant Callum Sinclair couldn't play forward. Sam Reid blew up his leg the first game he played. So basically, like, those first three choice options to play in a forward line are, are gone for the season. And, I mean, there's even argument that Sam Reid should have been risked for this game anyway, given the fact that Franklin looked like he was about 20% of what he normally is. I mean, he couldn't even run. That was all right. We were worried about bringing in Sam Reid being underdone, so we brought in a Franklin who was underdone as well. I oh, just don't understand underdone. the logic. In- he shouldn't have played. He was like no. Geelong semi-final last year. Should not have played. He actually was a hindrance. He did more damage than good. Mm. So, Justin, can I just add in a question there? Yeah. Uh, James Hacker sent me a question from the Sydney Swan supporters group, and he said, will Buddy be fit next year? There used to be a protocol that if you're not fit, you don't play no matter who you are. Looking back, I think we played unfit players every week. How much has this affected us? That's a quite a good question. Yeah. Yeah, we've done it the last two years, really. You can think back to Kieran Jack and Dan Hanbury last year. Um, mm. like especially Kieran Jack, we played him for the first six, seven rounds, and he's hip. He he couldn't even run, and he caught so much criticism. People saying he's done, he's done, he's done. He needs to retire. He took, I think, about a month, a bit over a month off. He came back and he was playing good football. If the same thing happened again this year. He did the same hip. I honestly can't see him playing on next year. The way, at any level that's even remotely close to AFL level. I mean, you can and even say that about Dan Annabry. Yeah, with Kieran Jack, I mean, he did some really good things in the first quarter, quarter, but he was one of the few players on the ground who could actually pick up the ball cleanly. Um, and that was something I was you know, really excited to see, but then he just dropped off. I think he only played 65% roughly game time. So he's spent, cooked. Um, whether that's, you know a season taking its toll on him or some injury or something like that. It's something that, you know, once you get to finals, this stuff shouldn't be happening. And you hear, um, and I say this as well, when Buddy isn't effective in the Ford 50 kicking goals, he should go up the ground and play on a wing because I firmly believe he's one of the better field kicks in the competition. Um, the quality of delivering in that 50, which has been... Um, one of our weaknesses uh, for the past, well, this year at least. Um, Buddy can be a really, you know, effective solution for that, I think. But, you know, only training 20 minutes for the whole year. And I imagine that's why, you know, in the third quarter, beginning of the third quarter, they play, they kept Buddy Franklin in the goal square, which is really baffling. It's not something you, um, it's not something you see these days. You normally see all the players moving up to the other half of the ground. Yeah, I, I don't think we even have the players at the moment to play that style, the modern style. I, to be honest, I don't think the Swans have even been able to keep up with any modern style of play since 2006, maybe? I mean, 2003, we were really close. 2004, and eh, we kind of slipped back a little bit. Obviously, 2005 and 2006, but you can see, like, West Coast, we're starting to play a different style, and we're kind of... We fell off in 2007. Uh, and then Hawthorne pretty much invented a new style of play the year later, and ever since then, we've just played catch-up. And it kind of makes you think that maybe 2012 was a bit of a bit of a one-off, and everyone was just so good at the same time. 
Well, 2012 was when we had that um, really kind of pioneered that sort of slingshot play. Um, that year, Lewis Jeddah was our highest goal kicker. We didn't really have a tall forward target other than Sam Reid, who was still pretty young at the time. So we, we did actually kind of have to do something a bit drastically different. Now, I, I got I got to tell you something, and I was stunned when I actually saw this. I had a look at it today, and I think it's a bit of an indictment on Sam Reid. Now, don't get me wrong. I like him. He's he could be such a good footballer. Uh, two thousand and twelve was his best season for us. Yeah. Right, two thousand. I'm not kidding. It was his hands down best season for us. Uh, it was his most goals. Uh, he one of his best disposal seasons. Um, marks about half of what he's got now. But it was base. It was arguably his best season for us. Two thousand twelve. He actually had almost as many contested possessions in 2012 as he did in 2011, and 2011 was his best contested possession year. So yeah, it just goes stretch without injuries can do for you, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean that's that's six, seven seasons ago. I mean, do we persist with a guy? I mean, who's like going to be 27 next year? Has played 120 games, and his best was seven years ago. Not only that. <clears throat> You've got to look at it from the perspective. He wasn't being seen as our number one target back then. Although he was our big, tall centre-half forward, he wasn't the person that they kicked the ball to constantly because he was still so young. We actually used more of that slingshot-style football where we actually hit up small targets. Now, when he's actually there, he's actually, basically, they kick it long and high to him. Yeah, it's, so, it's it's not working. Uh, it's no. yeah, but I mean, you just look at the way he played back then. He was aggressive on the ball. He was aggressive uh, when it was on the ground. Uh, he was a good tackler, and now he just—he's a bit like Gary Rowan. Every time he goes near the ball, you're just worried he's going to injure himself, like he's going to break like a piece of glass or something. But uh, one of the comments that came in yesterday from uh, Chris Chris Gow, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, is it possible to start a crowd fund during the off season to help Longmire come up with a plan B, plan A of kick it to Buddy, which Longmire did say on the in his press conference was the wrong thing to do is old now. Everyone has worked out how to beat us, guys. Good question. Yeah, I mean, what can we do? What? I mean, it's John Longmire and who has to make the final decision on, you know, systems of play and all that sort of thing and, you know, with the help of the coaching staff. It hasn't worked for a while. When does he decide to, that, you know, enough's enough. Let's change things up. Let's try and, you know, let's not try and play the football that we, style football that we played in 2005. Um, let's try and, you know, take a bit of what's worked with Richmond, what's worked with Melbourne this year, what worked with Bulldogs in 2016. Let's try and use these things and try and improve our own game. Because, I don't know, it hasn't, hasn't, certainly hasn't looked like it's happened so far. Do you think we overperformed last year? We've overperformed for the last two years. Yeah, if, you, if you're arguing that we've overperformed last year, I mean, us being... And that's something we haven't addressed yet. We still make finals. We do it consistently. We, you know, always seem to do, you know, just enough to... Either just enough to make the numbers or we make top four. Um, and yet, 
once we get to the finals, once we come up against, I don't know whether it's the extra pressure of finals or the other teams find another gear or two that we just don't have. Yeah, cause, I mean, you look at some of those wins last year. Uh, we only lost to Hawthorne after round six. But we beat oh, and Adelaide earlier. In, we beat basically all the other teams. Um, the only team that we didn't beat uh, that is a top four team this year was West Coast. And we beat them yeah, last I year mean, after round, wrote, round seven onwards. The, yeah, I read the preview to the um, this final where I said, um, you know, I was, with a prediction at the end, I said, the Swans have beaten the most top eight teams in the competition. So I thought, you know, maybe this is a point where things have changed, where we can match it against the best best sides. And I said we'd hope optimistically win by 10 were the words I used. And, yeah, yeah they were me wrong, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, Stephen, that's a good point. Yes, we have beaten more top eight sides. But look at when we played teams. Seriously. You look at the first time we played Hawthorne, they had quite a few injuries. The first, the when we played West Coast, both times they had either Kennedy was out, Nick Nat was just coming back from his knee reconstruction. Then the next time we played them, Kennedy, Darling, and Lacroix were out. It was a constant. Every time we played a top eight side throughout the year, they seemed to have quite significant injuries. Both times that we played GWS. They had significant injuries, and then when they got even a half reasonable side back, they just took us to the cleaners. I mean, look at Zach Williams. He played his first game of the year on the weekend and didn't look out of place at all. He was a monster, and what he did was allow Lockie Whitfield to move into the midfield, um, away from that half-back role that he was playing for most of the year. And they just look like a different side, to be honest, and having the you know class of Brent's Lady O there as well. I mean, they're a good side. Oh, yeah. The other thing you look at is the fact that Toby Green didn't play for a, well, over a month and he came back and he looked like he hadn't missed any football. And they still won mm. that game. They thrashed us with three players on the bench. I mean, Josh Kennedy, not Josh Kennedy, Josh Kelly, rather. He was off the ground um, with a, what was it? What did he injure? A, a hamstring or something? Or calf? Uh, yeah, the meniscus tear, I think, is the. Yeah, piece was, um, yeah. Yeah, but he was off the ground for pretty much the whole game. Yeah, so it's it's a bit worrying. And um, one of the people, one of our uh, followers, posted up on the uh, blog page that it was our lowest score under Longmire. Uh, Thirty points. It was almost the lowest score in a final from Sydney since eighteen ninety nine, where they kicked. I believe it was like three eight. So, so is that, wait a minute, I don't have the data on me, but was that, wait a minute, 3, 8, 4, 6. Okay, so it was almost, um, it was two uh, even that 8, almost more scoring shots than we had uh, yep. on the weekend. The incredible <laughs> thing was it would have actually set a new Swans record for lowest score in a final until uh, Papley got his second goal with what, like, a few seconds left in the game. Isn't uh, it also the worst um, score by the Swans at the SCG in yes. finals? I think it was one of the, the worst. The lowest was 6-7. I think it was one of the worst um, by the Swans at the SCG full stop, um, yeah. which yeah. is 
really, really concerning, to be honest. It's quite an, quite an achievement when you consider the uh, dire straits the club was in when it moved to Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just having a quick look. Um, so we scored forty. Oh, sorry, thirty. Thirty. I'm hopeful on forty, but thirty. Um, I'm just having a quick scan through. Um, I've reached. I'm still in a 48 was a low that we had against North Melbourne back in 2014, which was round four, not the final, obviously. Uh, then the next one, still looking. We had a 54 against Geelong back in 2010, 2011, rather. Um, 53 against Adelaide in 2008. 56 against Geelong in the semi-final in 2004. But we actually won that game, fifty six, fifty three. So I mean, that was the last time we scored that low and actually won a game. <clears throat> um, and really, I mean, I'm, I mean, we had some massive games in two thousand and two thousand one where we scored, and we averaged one hundred and forty over four games in a row, which is insane. Mm. Can you? I think it is actually our lowest score at the SCG. And this is something I should have done before, but... It, yeah, it was. It was 6-7 was our last score before yesterday. I think we've actually... The last couple of really bad games at the SCG, I think of 43, yeah, 43 was in 1989. We, in our bad days, we still averaged like 90-odd points a game. In 1994, right... We still averaged 90 points a game in 1994. Despite the fact we're losing mm. most of I mean, Now look what we average. Oh, like 60. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. look at these I mean, season they're, scores. They're look, look at the last five scores. 30, 74, 73, 64, 59. And mm. we won one of them. So, yeah, it's a bit depressing. I'm just having a look at the stats from the weekend as well at the moment, and the baffling thing is, in terms of total disposal efficiency, we beat the Giants 70% to 67. I mean, they had nearly 100 more disposals, but when you go to the efficiency inside 50, they had 63 inside 50, we only had 39. Uh, marks inside 50, 12 to 3 in favour of the Giants. Tackles inside forward 50, 13 to 3 in favour of the Giants. So, um, yeah, as, I mean, when you, when I might have been you, Steve, who said that John Lai was that, Long Lai was saying that our plan was to get it inside forward 50 and keep it there. No, just never, never reach that point in the weekend, never at all. And that's what's made, you know, our worst performance in what, 20, 30 years. So, so where are we actually at with our with our games? I know we talked a lot about game style and plan and stuff now, um, and I think I think we all agree that we've been we're still hung up on this contested ball, slap it forward, lock it in, win a ball, kick a snap out of a pack. We've never been a high marking team down front, um, but we've clearly had bits this year, so quarters where where we had really good dynamic run and carry, but we've only ever had it for a quarter. 
Now, I think when Justin and I said last week that our best would be competitive with anybody, I think we were talking about those passages of play. Is that right, Justin? You there, mate? Justin's dropped out. Yeah, so anyway, no, no, I'll no, answer that. I'm, I'm actually, trying um, to moderate comments. I, honestly, go go ahead, Steve, because I, I really don't know where to, where to go with where we're at at the moment. I honestly don't know. So basically, I actually look at where we're at. Statistically, we are ranked as a bottom six side. We are in a position where we need to make a decision on which way we're going. We have an ageing midfield, which is now basically allowing the ball to transition easily through the front half and the back half. Our game style has been based on our midfield being stronger than any other team's midfield in that it is great at contested possession, it was great at in and under, and we had a bit of pace that we could get it out to and they'd either run long or they'd bomb it long into our forward line. Then it would be basically held up there, there'd be another ruck tap, our midfielder would win it again, they'd get it out through hands and we'd kick a goal. That is no longer yeah, happening. I... I agree, but we we have had periods this year where we have done differently to that, though, haven't we? So is that is that are they anomalies, or is that what we're trying to get no, to? They because are I'm anomalies. hoping that's anomalies. what we've been trying to get to. No, I think you they're think they're anomalies. anomalies? Okay. And the reason I think they're anomalies is because we don't see it enough, even against weaker sides. We just don't see it enough. They keep going backwards to this old style of play. There have been times where they've tried to change it. I think the first six weeks of last year, they tried to change it. When they realised it wasn't going to work with the group of players we had, they went back to the old style and they started winning. The issue is we have now Kennedy, who is ageing. Parker doesn't look anywhere near as good as what he did, to be brutally honest. Hanabry is finished, and it's basically because of this style of play that these players are like they are. I think they yeah. are so battered and they're so worn out from the style of play that we've done for the past 10 years that their bodies just can't handle it. We don't have any pace, so we get the ball out and they're just being coughed up constantly. Yep. Because yeah. we're always yep. And I agree, with, I agree with everything you just said, Steve. Um, the only thing I would say is that, is that um, um, those type of players, that contested ball winner can't kick rely on handballing and just smacking yeah. him along to 50. That's not what we've drafted the last couple of years. So if they draft differently again, like if they draft towards more of an attacking style of player this year, well then I think uh, I'd think i be happy next year to finish 10th on the ladder. I'd be happy to do it for a couple of years. As long as it's it's apparent that we get, we've gotten serious about trying to change the way we do business. Um so there's still a bit of me that hopes that, that our game style's messed up because we don't have the players to do something different. Um, but, no, but I'm Josh, hoping I'm hoping we're drafting away from that to go to something different. No, but Josh, you've got to look at it from the perspective. In the year that they drafted Gary Rowan and Lewis Jetta and those type of players is no different to what they've drafted over the past two years. We still played the same style of football back then, but we had the calibre and the cattle to do it. We were just lucky that when Brett Kirk got old, when Jude Bolton got old, when those players that we had back then, 
we had Josh Kennedy to step up. We had Luke Parker to step into the same type of role. Yeah, we had we the structure and players for them to come in for. Like Luke That's Parker, right. Luke and Parker played as a a substitute when the substitute was still there. He wasn't starting games like Will Haywood or Ben Ronk or Oliver Florin is. Yeah, and even then he was substituting it as a forward mostly, wasn't he? Yeah, and in the grand That's final right, as well. in his first year in twenty twelve. Yep. yep. That's right. I'm, but you've got to look at it from the. Look, the I know. Sorry, you go. I, I know what you're saying. Uh, as well, Steve, but just before you continue on with that, Josh, as well, what you're saying before about the game style, about trying to lock it in the forward line, we talked about it a couple of times about Ben Ronk and Tom Papley, about how, basically they're playing Ben Ronk as a midfielder. I don't know why. What's the, what's the yeah, point? Yeah, I, I know, and he's... An, he's, an, he's... He hasn't had the fitness or tank for it. What's the point of kicking it long and deep no, inside forward line? he's already shown that he's an elite tackler. Yeah, I know, but... Like... He's already shown he's an elite tackler and he's got amazing goal sense. Why would you play a simple someone who's quick and a really good pressure player outside the forward line when they're a forward when you're getting slaughtered in the forward line? I just don't get it. Maybe that's why I'm not but a coach. Justin, there's a simple reason for that. Because <laughs> I'm you un- yeah, Don't you understand there's a simple reason for that? Yeah, yeah, no, there's a simple reason you're clueless. But there's a simple reason for that. If you look at our midfield, why are they playing Ben Ronk in the midfield? Why are they playing... Tom Papley at various stages in the midfield is because our players that are playing currently midfield can't handle it. Kieran Jack, he goes in for two or three minute bursts. He can't kick. Josh yeah. Kennedy, his kicking isn't up to scratch. Yeah, Luke it's Parker, atrocious at the moment. Great hands, but can't kick. That's right. So who are who are the ones who can actually kick in our team? Ben well, Ronk is one of those players. It used to be, used to be Hannibal. He's one of those players. Hannibal used to be an amazing field kick. I think he's just lost it after all these knee injuries and leg injuries. And I suppose when you look at the team, the midfield, right? Uh, George Hewitt and Luke Parker are basically trying to play the inside and outside role at the same time. Because, as you said, Kieran Jackie goes in for three minutes. But even his outside role, he's, he's nowhere near as good as he, as he used to be. He's. Body just can't keep up with, with the game anymore. I mean, I think that's just the most clear thing I've seen this year is he tries, he tries and tries, and, you know, you, you give him a lot of love and respect for what he's done for the club. But physically, he just can't keep up with the game anymore. And you have to ask whether or not Dan Hannibal can keep up with the game anymore either. I mean, you really have to consider that. Maybe it's a fitness thing. Maybe he's still injured, but... Yeah, look, David, uh, David from Facebook... Uh, he's comment on Ronk. He said, Ronk has been chucked in that midfield at times because we lack speed in the middle, which is taking away the pressure we have in the forward half. And you know, But it also takes away more, I think, Papley as well. When you go back to 2016, we had Papley, who was a, a small forward, stationed in the forward line at all times. Uh, and Xavier Richards, like I said. Uh, but then we also had Tom Mitchell uh, and Josh Kennedy, who were the contested ball winners. We had Luke Parker, who was... The in between, um, Dan Hanbury, who was an awesome link player, and Kieran Jack, who was pretty good at that as well. And then you look at the team these days. Kieran Jack doesn't play much; he plays about sixty percent. Dan Hanbury is like constantly injured. Luke Parker's now the contested ball winner with Josh Kennedy, and everyone's just thrown out by it. The biggest mistake we ever made was getting rid of Tom Mitchell. Simple as that. Yeah. Because yeah. He, was, he was a young player who was an in and under. He would have been able to do... Basically, it's all fallen on Josh Kennedy, and Josh Kennedy can't handle it. 
if we still had Mitchell there, you'd have Kennedy and Mitchell alternating. Parker would still be able to play that inside role when needed, but he'd be able to play more on the outside wings. We just don't have that extra hard body. Look at what he's done for Hawthorne. Basically, he has single-handedly run that midfield of Hawthorne and he's turned them into a side that's basically gone from, what, 12th last year to top four this year. Yeah. And it's all on the back of him because Jager O'Meara doesn't go in and get the ball. He doesn't win the ball. He just stands on the outside and wait for, waits for it to come to him. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think... I mean, this is why I don't have anything to do with the club whatsoever, but... It seems to me that Tom Mitchell didn't have the patience because he could have, he could well have been that for us. But I think he wanted to be the number one. He saw an opportunity from Hawthorne to be a number one midfielder at the club, to be probably one of the top money earners as well. Um, and he went and took it in a fair play to him. Um, and you know, when he was playing with us, he was probably what third or fourth in terms of midfield importance to our midfield. Yeah. Yeah, I but mean, this that, year, that though. Was the, go ahead, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, yeah, but the the question I'd ask with you, Stephen, there is, is that the way John Longmire saw him? You know, whether it was good or not, 63 possessions in the NEFL. He averaged almost 30 possessions a game for us. And the whole thing that John Longmire kept saying was, he doesn't have defensive pressure. He doesn't have defensive pressure. No, but he oh, used to get in and win it. So isn't that what he's doing? John Longmire hated his guts, I'm sure, no. Um, that's, <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it took Tom Mitchell so long to get a game for us. I'm not yeah. sh- I have no idea what was going through the match selection committee's mind when they turned him down again and again. And I wouldn't be surprised if that had um, some influence on you know, his decision to leave as well because you know, did he feel less valued by us? Probably. Well, just on, on that... You'd have, you'd, have to, you'd have to wonder whether there's some kind of personality clash behind the scenes here too. But there was... There was the do, leadership. Do you remember any of our players being interviewed about him having yes. glowing things to say about him? I, no, I I remember what happened. Not one. So there was a situation. It was actually very similar to the Mitch Morton one, but Mitch Morton obviously responded a lot better. So the Mitch Morton situation back in 2012 was the senior leadership sat down with Mitch Morton and they said, "You need to be able to do this, and once you do that, we'll be confident to bring you in." And this is when he was kicking snap goals and goals over his head and he was kicking bags at 10 and 12 in the needful. So he went back and he worked on it and he did exactly what they did. And as soon as it was ready, the team was just like, we trust him, bring him in. What happened? He had a really good game in the grand final. He had a pretty good final series, all things considered, right? Tom Mitchell, basically, the the information that came out was that the players didn't trust him. They thought that he was a ball hog. He thought that they thought that all he wanted to do was play for himself. He wanted to be number one. He wanted to be the guy. And, and you can see it the way he played. Every time he got the ball, he'd just run with it, and he'd try and kick a goal from 60 metres. He'd do his one-twos. He'd, he'd do everything he's doing now. And he he's, yeah, exactly. he's still did it when he was at Sydney. So. Yeah. So, but hang on. But they, they, they play Zach Jones, who's probably the worst person I've ever seen for not lowering his eyes. As soon as he's within a distance of the goal, he won't look for a teammate. He goes straight for the goals. He's, he's one of the worst ball users I've ever seen for kicking for goal and kicking to a, and a, a teammate. You've seen Hanbury, right? 
No, I'm talking Zach Jones. <laughs> no, Zach I know. Jones is I'm comparing him to Hanbury. Hanbury is in worse of yeah. just general ball use at the moment. Yeah. But he used to be good. Zach Jones has never shown it. And I actually say he's one of the most selfish players I've ever seen play AFL. And I watch a lot of games and a lot of teams, and I'd say he's one of the worst and most selfish players I've ever seen. Oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. Now, Shane left a comment a little while ago. Sorry. Sorry about not getting back to you um, a bit earlier. But he said, fact is, we have not been able to compete with other teams in the second half of the year as shown in scoring shots. Last night was a perfect example of our inability to get scoring shots or entries into our 50. We have just changed most of our coaching staff this year, so maybe we've given them time to gel. Uh, That's also from James Hacker. So the first one. Guys, uh, some thoughts on the fact that we um, haven't been able to com- compete in the forward line. I know we've talked about it. And the second one is, do you think the uh, change in coaching staff has actually been more of a negative influence than a positive? Uh, Joshua Ma, you kick off, mate. Uh, Changing coaching staff, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I find it interesting that we've got Stevie J as a new forward coach, but our small forwards are, seem to be no better off. Um, and I just wonder whether that's a case of talent, you know, as in talent around the sticks doesn't necessarily coach transfer into coaching ability. Well, we know that's absolutely true for some people, and maybe he's just finding his feet, or maybe, maybe, um, um, you yeah, maybe he's just finding his feet in the role, or maybe he's not not going to prove to be a good coach. But we won't probably know that for a couple more years. Uh, what was the first part of your question, mate? Yeah, um, Stephen Trelaw, your thoughts, mate? Yeah, sorry. So that was about um, you know our, our forward line, um, and I said I said before we got clobbered in the inside fifties, uh, sixty-three to thirty-nine. So they had what nearly double um, our inside fifties, our efficiency inside fifty. So um, ten shots from thirty-nine inside fifties, we went at twenty-six percent efficiency inside fifty when it comes to going for goal. Um, marks inside 53, tackles inside in forward 53. Um, it's it was an absolutely shocking performance, and there were hints of that in um, previous games this season, but not to the extent that we saw on the weekend. Uh, in terms of the um, assistant coaching panel, the guys we've got in that we've brought in, so we've brought Dean Cox. Uh, Stevie J, they're kind of the two big ones at the moment, but also, I mean, even Brett Kirk. These are guys who haven't done coaching for a while. These are guys who were stars when they were playing, without a doubt. Dean Cox, I reckon, is probably the best ruckman um, of the you know, past generation pre Gorn and Grundy. And Stevie J, small, one of the best small forwards uh, slash midfielders going around. But they don't have experience in coaching other players. Um, and I think whether that means... Because, I mean, there is a um, AFL... It's like a coaching accreditation that um, players can go through. And, I mean, are there better assistant coaches out there currently? Yes. I'll, I'll say that flat out. Um, will these guys... Will Cox, Kirk... Johnson improving their coaching and their teaching ability um, in the coming years. I, I bloody hope so because if not, we're screwed. Yeah, we had massive turnover as it was in in the off season with regards to coaches. I think we had um, I think eight or nine 
roles actually changed. So it, it really was a phenomenal change. Uh, Josh Franco, who had been with a club for a long time, um, Talbot, who was the Talbot rather, um, he was the long-term rock coach, uh, more part-time than anything else, but he basically retired. Um, Playfair as well, and Playfair was highly regarded um, within the team itself. And he he left as well, so it was really just a, a massive, massive change. I'm just having a quick look to see if I can find it. I, I can't find the article, but can I, um... we lost so many years of experience. Yeah, jump in there. Can I comment on that question as well, Justin? Yep. Yeah, so I've got two parts that I'd like to say about that. um, The first one is our forward line is never going to do any good, no matter how good Stevie J is, when we are losing the inside 50s week in, week out. I actually just had a quick look while people were talking. Throughout the season, we won the inside 50 count against the opposition five times. Five out of 23 games, we had more inside 50s than the opposition. That doesn't we are not, me. Yeah, We are not going to ha- give our forwards a good opportunity to do that. Sometimes we were getting beat in the inside 50 count by plus 20. Well, what was now, that game we lost it by almost 30, but we still won? That was the Melbourne game. Yeah, that's right. And it, yeah. it is possible. You can do it. But the problem is... If the, if the ball is going so much into the back line, it's putting so much pressure on. And that's because the, the contested possession of the midfield is not there. But the second part of it is, take this for what it's worth, but all the talk out of Sydney is always that horse runs his own ship and he's just like Ross Lyon, that basically what he says it goes and it's run exactly how he wants it when he wants it. So basically, those assistant coaches, how much influence they actually have on players during the week and things like that, I don't think there's much because you look at it. The only ones that ever say anything about any assistant coaches are those boys that have been playing reserves. Yeah. And it's usually about Reese Shaw. Yeah, well, mm. looking at the uh, 2018 coaching team, so this is an article actually published last year, a year ago, um, just for the, the crazy period with the trades and everything, when Stuju was um, announced to go to Gold Coast. So we lost Josh Franco, who went to Adelaide, who is now leaving Adelaide. We lost Henry Playfair, who went to St Kilda, Stuart Jew to Gold Coast. They've been with a club. Uh, some of them for more than 10 years. Uh, Henry Playfair had been with the club since, I think, 2007 as a player and then a coach. Uh, new coaches, Dean Cox, an assistant coach, uh, Ray Shaw, an assistant coach in defence, Steve Johnson, assistant coach forwards, Ty Canelli and Jeremy Layla as two development coaches. The only coach, apart from John, Long- John Longmire, that we actually um, kept in the team in his same position was Brett Kirk. That was it. So we had a complete change, a complete, like, wash out and change of the coaching panel maybe that hasn't translated um there steve i mean maybe there's some issues with the development and direction of the coaching team but i mean you can't help but think that the lack of identifiable game plan or game style can't, can't you know it, it can be linked to the actual coaching changes that we've had i mean there is a bit of a link there you can't really deny it mm. And now haven't we lost Reece Shaw? Isn't he supposedly going back to well, one of the Victorian clubs? Yeah, I mean, there's been the rumour going around that uh, North Melbourne are going hard for him. So, I mean, if we do yeah. lose Reece Shaw, 
okay. Hopefully, there's yeah, an opportunity to get some experience. Melbourne go, Melbourne go, North Melbourne go hard for every person ever. You know, uh, there was another one today saying Gary Rowan got spotted down at Arden Street. You know, I wonder if they offered him eight hundred thousand as well. Mate, if they offered him eight hundred bucks and a packet of chips a week, he'd drive him down there anyway. Yeah, yeah a hot cake right. and a cold pie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't get don't get us wrong. We love Gary Rowan. Um, we just kind of would like some more consistent. We just we we love him as a person. <laughs> just we want someone more consistent who's not. Like brittle. So, so what's the answer, boys? We need to change. We need to change the style and the list at the same time. Okay, here's a question for you guys. And if you jump on like a lot of the Facebook groups, basically most of the comments last night after the match was just long my out. I want to know your uh, points of view on this because people are going to want to know this too. Should we get rid of long my or should long my leave and should we bring someone else in, like someone like Clarko? Josh, kick well, us off. Me first. Um, yeah, look, I, no, no, I'm going to say no. Just hear me out, Steve. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say no. I think what we need to do um, before we start sacking people, because that would be a very, a very Carlton or St Kilda thing to do. When, you know, we're the Swans. We don't do that kind of amateurish crap, do we? Um, I, I think what know. we need we to do, we, need to do we kicked 30 points in elimination final and we'd only kicked 18 oh. for like 118 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> but uh, we need to. I, I think we what what we need to do is do what Collingwood and and uh, and Richmond have done. Is they need to get someone in an external mob and to come and do some kind of a review of the football department who can come in and identify all the issues because it may turn out. It may turn out maybe that it's not horse. Maybe it's the structures around him. Maybe it's some kind of reporting thing. Maybe the issue lies somewhere else. You know, Damien Hardwick was going to lose his job two years ago. Now he's probably going to be a back-to-back premiership yeah, coach. Yeah, but um, honestly, with Tom Harley um, going from uh, the head of football into the CEO role, can you honestly see something like that happening? Why not? The guy is not going to bring in someone to audit his own football department that he ran for like four, four or five years. Well, I mean, I guess it. I guess that depends on how much you um. So whether he does or not, I don't know. But whether he should or not is probably the question I'm asking. And for me, that would be an absolute yes. So, um, if you want to follow some kind of you know uh, sensible governance type thing, you wouldn't just go well. Let's sack Longmire because he's not going to do that either, is he? The, no. the CEO is not going to come in and, and sack the coach. Um, but you know, if if there's no if there's no look, we've been heavily embarrassed, right? Like heavily embarrassed for two seasons in a row now. If there's no, and I'm happy, well, I'm not happy, but I'm willing to let it slide as a fan for another 12 months and see where it goes, um, and see whether there is actually a concerted effort to change stuff next year. Um, if not, I I may find myself firmly on the on the sack long my bandwagon, but I'm not there yet. What I would like them to do is actually come in and review the football department. And make sure it's actually functioning because, like Dimmer and like um, and like Buckley, it, it may turn out that it's not the people; it may be the structures around them. So I just I want them to look at that in a proper way first before we start talking about moving staff on. All right, Stephen Trelaw, you're up, mate. You were going to go first, but jump on in. Yeah, um, oh, I was just going to say my my question would be: if you did sack Longmire, who would you bring in? I don't think any of our current assistant coaching squad um, have what it takes to, you know, take the main league coaching role. Um, unless we went hard after someone like, well, first name that comes to mind is Brett Radden, but he's um, 
just moved to another club from Hawthorne. Um, there's not really too many good candidates out there. Um, and what you said uh, earlier, Justin, you said either you know sack the coach or overhaul the list. I think I'm just kind of looking at the players we'll probably get back next year, and I mean, fingers crossed, um, there aren't any you know trips over chain fences or dumb gridiron <laughs> game. But we'll get back. Sam Reed, hopefully full fitness, fingers crossed. Callum Mills, who I reckon we really yes, ought to give yeah. a go at um, giving him more midfield time next year. He can be that um, support for Josh Kennedy if he really needs. Um, Lewis Melican, who will help out Grundy and Aaliyah to no end. And Sam Naismith, who can allow um, Callum Sinclair to move as a forward option. Um, so with really... I mean, you know, they're not just, you know, your bottom 22 players. They're guys who could really affect the structure heavily. Add someone like Nick Blakey, who might will probably get a debut next year, um, and who can play kind of almost that um, Charlie Kerno-style kind of key forward or midfield. Um, I think the list isn't in as bad a shape as we think. Um I think injuries have affected key players at the worst possible time, and losing Tippett, um, oh, losing the Tippett yeah. that we currently have on the list will be a great help. I think maybe not this year, but definitely next year, we'd be daft if we didn't try and throw some of that money around. Um, we'll be bringing up quite a bit of a, um, a stockpile there. So I think, um, I mean, again, as, um, as was said before, if we do happen to drop back in 2019, I wouldn't be too disappointed. Um, as long as we kind of, you know, keep that um, ambition in mind. Yeah. And Stephen Park, you're up, mate. Your comment now. All right. Okay. I'm up. This is John Longmire's, John Longmire's career. Should I mute you now? 195, game, 195 games as coach. 131 wins, 62 losses. This is not including yesterday's game. Two draws. A- average coaching career percentage, 66.6%. No, we should not fire him. What I think is, I agree exactly with what Josh said, we need to overhaul the entire coaching structure and he needs to actually admit that the system of play that he is trying to use is no longer going to work in today's football and he needs to restructure it about his young young and upcoming players. And exactly what Stephen said, yes, Mills is going to come back barring no bad injuries. I wouldn't even rate Sam Reid because you don't know whether he's going to be there or not. Yeah. So, But the thing is, I actually don't think we should get rid of him, but it, the coaching structure needs to actually be shared out. And that's the reason Hardwick is so good now, is because, yes, he is the leader, but his coaching panel now do lots and lots of work around it. He's not just, it's all about him. Whereas I think, of course, it's all about him and how he wants it run. It needs to change. Yeah, look, um, before I comment on that as well, Annette Gordon, she's asked, I know Nick Blakey has nominated the Swans, but how likely are we to get him? What will we have to get? What, what will we have to give to get him? Um, now, Stephen Troll, you are more of an expert on this than I suppose most of us. Uh, my sort of thoughts on it are that 
if Gold Coast and Carlton do get those priority picks and they do get them at the start of the draft, we are probably going to have to give up quite a lot to get him. Otherwise, there is a chance that he might fall through the cracks to us at a more reasonable rate. Stephen, your thoughts, mate? Um, so, first things first, we're not going to just get him with our first pick. Um, people are going to bid for him. Um, whether that's uh, with a top five pick or a top ten pick, I'm not 100% sure. Um, if you asked at the start of the year, it would have been top five pick without a doubt. Um, now you might be sliding back towards more of a five to ten range, but um, he's not going to drop below that. So we are going to have to give up stuff for him. And I imagine that's with the Sam Murray trade that we did um, last year with Collingwood, I reckon that might have been with Blakey in mind, just to get a few more um, trade points to get uh, secure Blakey. Um, I don't think there's anything to worry about in terms of us not getting him. I think we'll get him regardless. Um, you know, sim- similar vein to Callum Mills, who's just one of those guys that I think we have to get. Um, he's just too much of a asset not to pass up on. Yeah, and do you think we're going to get sort of bent over by some of those other teams? Oh, uh, look, Did even you, if someone offers a pick... Any particular If someone bids pick three or something... Uh, you reckon like a St. or yeah, Bulldogs or something like that? Yeah, I mean, Bulldogs don't have a pick that high up, I believe, to, um, to really get there, especially if you put priority picks into account. But I... I'm not too sure. I mean, anything can happen on the draft night, especially now um, they're introducing live... Like, you can trade your draft picks live on the night. Um, so that's just got to add another spanner in the works in terms of, you know, making trying to predict predict a, um, what happens on draft night. But I don't... I, again, I don't think there's too much to worry about. I think that, um, you know, Walsh, uh, Jack Lacocious... Uh, the King Twins, those are the guys who will be named up first. Um, and then Blakey will be in the next slot. Yeah. And he has had a pretty good sort of um, junior career as well. So there's plenty of opportunity for him to become a very good forward for us anyway. But um, <laughs> on to the previous topic uh, about the coaching. I am definitely not on the uh, Cyclone Meyer um, bandwagon. I mean, that is a bandwagon that unfortunately is... Um, growing every day now uh has been commentary about it for quite a few years actually since really about two, 2014 grand final people were starting to get a bit angsty with him because of the the game style uh i completely agree with what said though that i think the coaching panel really and the football department in general and you can even lump in the media department and the social department i think the whole thing just needs to be looked at top to bottom uh Pretty much the entire football department needs to be looked at top to bottom if they have the right people in the right positions, if they need to bring in people who they need to identify and whether or not uh, there needs to be a change of uh, approach or, or tactics at the top, even if it means John Longmire has to change the way he approaches uh, his own coaching and whatnot. I mean, he's a great coach. He's done a lot for the club. Um, he's one of the most successful coaches uh, in, in the AFL at the moment. I mean, he's top three, top four. And as far as Sydney coaches go, I think he's about the second most successful Swans coach in history. And we're going back to like the 1920s, 1930s to find someone uh, who was more successful than him. So he has been a very good coach for us. But it is kind of starting to turn into the... Uh, I don't know if any of you guys follow the English Premier League at all, but 
a bit like the Arsenal Arsene Wenger, you know, oh, so close yeah. but not close enough, and then all of a sudden just sort of falls off the falls off the cart, and then it just starts getting absurd. The press conference is just getting bizarre, and then they ha- then they burst back, and then it's like oh they're back, and then they just fall off again. Yeah, I don't think Longmire is as bad as um, Wayne last year's. To be fair. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a strange one. Um, I don't know if you guys want to chat any more about the game specifically. Um, all I can say is I have my what must have been for most one supporters my head in my hands for probably half the game. Yeah, same here. <laughs> no, I'm done. Well, like I said, I had a I had, I had a patient last night. It was 87 with a broken hip um, in quite a bit of pain. Who was quite happy to pay me out about my football team. So I'm still. <laughs> I'm still shattered inside from that moment, and uh, I've gone through all the range of emotions last night and today, and it's going to go on for a little while longer yet. Well, I guess we can sort of wrap things up, because I'm not sure we want to sort of uh, sit around and torture ourselves for too much longer. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll ask you guys a question, and I'll go to some, some more social media sort of uh, questions and, and, and whatnot. Um, we've got one from Miles. We'll address that one in a, in a moment. Um, but... With the score line of two goals six at approximately, I'm looking at the actual uh, match itself when the uh, scores were, it was two goals six at about 110 minutes of the 112 minute game time. Would you have preferred to stay at two six or would you prefer four six? I would have preferred to have not made finals. Well, there is that. But that's not an option. We made the finals. <laughs> Stephen Park, two six or four six? No, I uh, definitely two six. I would have preferred because it. Um, why not go down in history and look at the positive of it? And it'll actually. No, I know there's not much difference between two six and four six, but the thing is, it would have actually then opened up the eyes a bit more. I think, and um, I just like the idea of two six. Why not? 18 points for a game, that would have been really good in a final. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we're what... I'm trying to think of what sport 18 would actually be acceptable and I can't really think of any sport. Uh, Stephen Trelaw, 2-6 or 4-6? Um, oh, 2-6 for me. There's no there's no difference. Um, no no benefit for going 4-6. So, yeah, as, as I said before, 2-6 and actually, you know, try and push forward some of these changes that need to happen. And Josh... I uh, yeah, I probably would have preferred two six. Um, I'd have preferred just to not have made finals if we were going to do that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, now, question... oh, I think yep, go ahead. The whole same reason I'm going to say. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that for the same reason that I think two six would be better in terms of sort of uh, forcing a bit of a look at why things turned out they, they the way they did. I would have thought just not making finals would have been an even bigger stick. For that reason, I would have preferred yeah. not being there. No, it's a fair point. Before, we'll Justin, before to... you move on... Yep, go, Steve. Now, before you move on to another question, I've just got one from um, a person again, and I was just like, let's look at some positives. What were some of the positives out of this year? I'd actually say the biggest positives were Ronk when he was playing small forward. I think Tommy McCartan is going to be a gun 
when his body develops. And I actually think the defensive unit held up exceptionally well again this year. I think they are probably the three biggest positives that we can take out of this year. Anyone else's yeah. thoughts? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd agree with that. Josh, Stephen? Yeah. Um, I think another positive has been how, how good Sinclair was, particularly in the first yeah. half of the year, uh, filling in the ruck where um, and maybe in the preseason he might do a bit more kind of, you know, main, main ruck training. Um, yeah, as, yeah, and I think also um, Aaliyah cementing his spot in the best 22 is uh, another big positive. I think he's, um, you know, he's still got a few um, areas of his game to work on, but gee, when he's when he's um, on song, he really sings a mighty good song. To quote yeah. one of those commentators on one of those AFL games. <laughs> well, his first quarter, what he did in that first quarter alone, um, basically gave us a chance to even be in the match. That one-handed mark, yeah, one against two, <laughs> that was that was something special. But, uh, look, um, on to some more social media stuff now. So, Miles Collins, uh, he asks, how likely are Sydney to go after Port Adelaide's defender Tom Jonas? Is he even worth getting? Um, Stephen Trelaw, you up first, mate? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard those uh, whispers as well. Uh, whether there's any uh, merit to them at all, I have no idea. Um, I think Jonas would be a great addition. I think... Um, he would help Heath Grundy a great deal. I mean, I know Grundy's gone on for another year, but um, and he's done so well in the past. He's been, I, I can't say uh, enough good things about Heath Grundy, but I reckon in 2019 he'll need help. Um, and that's why, I, partially why I'm so excited for Melican to come in, but if we can get another really solid key defender who we can put him onto the number one forward of the opposition without any worries whatsoever, that would be great. And I think we could do that with someone like Tom Jones. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. It is it is kind of one of those, do you actually want to try and bring in some experienced players to add just some experience to the squad? And uh, Mrs. Boggs, she made the great point, and she's made this a couple times, is the fact that when you actually look past the starting 22, and, and even then we have issues with the starting 22, there is absolutely no one to bring in that has any experience whatsoever I mean when we're looking at a full fit squad our backups are essentially like Dean Towers Robbie Fox uh, they played 50 games between them uh, Dan Robinson who's played about 20 games Jordan Dawson who's played 4 games now I think so it's and they're not like the really good players that we had 4-5 years ago that were really like tearing it apart in the NFL as well I mean the are decent AFL players I mean you know good sort of journeymen but we just don't have that at the moment. Uh, put out a question on Facebook uh, yesterday. A bit of a tongue-in-cheek one. So the question for the podcast was, Swans have won just five from 12 games at the SCG this season with two of those wins against GWS and Collingwood. With our form in Melbourne, should we play our home games at the MCG again? Guys, <laughs> should we? No, Eddie had. Eddie had. You mean uh, Marvel? Marvel? At Marvel? Yeah, Marvel, yeah, Marvel Stadium. Josh. Yeah, Marvel Stadium now. Uh, I think we should... Well, not that we can change it, but it'd be nice if they did some redevelopment of the SCG and changed the field's dimensions a little bit more. To the MCG. 
well, or even the Eddie Hatt surprise. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, why don't we go the... back to ANZ Stadium? Oh God, kill me now. Um, Jim Halton, uh, he stadium. laughed and he said China. Um... <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Darcy Richmond, he said definitely. Same with Danita, uh, Danita, rather. Um, Terry said, I don't think that Victorians would like the idea somehow, nor the Sydney siders either. Um, going back to going back <laughs> to Melbourne. Um, Byron um, asked me if I was uh, smoking crack. Um, and Scott said, When's Hanbury packing his bags? I don't know about that one, Scott. Uh, Vicky, she shares your back to ANZ statement. Uh, and then I'm trying to see some other ones. Brett said Eddie had, so a few of them said Eddie had. And I think, um, I'm trying to find, there was one really good, really good comment, actually. I can't actually find it again. Uh, but it basically said, oh, here we go. Nick Bailey, he said, to win on such a small ground, you need to have a dominant midfield, and we haven't had one all year. I think we've pretty much covered that. Um, but yeah, yeah. look, uh, guys, we've uh, been at it for uh, pretty close to an hour and a half. So not quite the result we're after, but uh, it's the result we got. On to next year. Mm. I've got one question before we go, Justin. Yep. If we could have one player that from any club that is available to make us better, who would it be? Stephen Trelaw first. Wait, is this any player who's who's currently a, who's on a, a list? Who's currently on a list? Oh, all right. I'd say let, let's look at the type of player we need. I mean, honestly, we could get a player in any position and that would make us better. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say I'm not going to say Tom Mitchell. I'm going to say a fit Nat Five who can um, do the midfield and the forward really well. I think that'd be a great benefit for us. Nat Five for me. Yeah, Josh. I hadn't thought about this at all, but I'm just going to be lazy and say I like the Nat Five idea. Justin? Dustin Martin, hands down. Yeah, I was going to say Dustin Martin as well. I mean, you can even go in, um, Trent Cochin as well. Get those yeah. two together. Bloody hell. I mean, we if we could have got Rioli yeah. a few years ago when we got Franklin, I reckon we, oh, would, yeah. we, could, I reckon we actually win a lot more games. <laughs> Okay. Maybe even really Yeah. Yeah. All right, last one then I've got for you. One player that you know that has been talked about that could be traded that we may be able to get. Mm. I don't know. I don't I don't really listen to uh, many of those trade rumors. So That's you're talking about someone who's up for free agency? Either free agency or you know there's been talk about them being traded. Andrew Gaff. There's been quite a few. Gaff, yeah, Gaff. actually, yeah, Gaff. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. How about Rory Sloan? Uh, he just signed a five-year contract. Oh, did he? He did, he did didn't he? Yeah. What about Tom McDonald? A lot of Tom, Tom McDonald signed yeah. on? Yeah. Pretty uh, sure he has. Yeah. I'm, this must be an old article from the AFL site. Oh, yeah, March 22. Yeah, it's a bit old. <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually how, how say Gaff or... Oh, shut up. Tom Boyd. <laughs> no, come on. We've got to bring back Zach Dawson, don't we? Zach Dawson. <laughs> man, come on. 
That'd be the one. How about, how about one of the Guthrie guys? We can we can get one of them, can't we? I mean, yeah. we're, play, we're playing like they're already in the midfield anyway. <laughs> Happily, have Shu. Yeah, Dylan Shu will be good. Yeah, there's no chance He'd be for brilliant. I've got the perfect one to come back out of retirement for us. What's that? Boomer Harvey. Oh, please. <laughs> Give him the game contracts. <laughs> yeah, well, what, yeah. why don't we go and get Drew Petrie while we're at it and bring back Dean Cox? Good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chris Judd. I mean, he still looks pretty fit. I'm sure he can keep playing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the eye gouger. Yeah, have you have you seen Mikio? I mean he's got a bad back and he drinks a lot of beer, but he looks pretty fit. <laughs> oh dear. Mate, if we get desperate we can always get Brett Kirk to chuck back on the jumper. Drew Bolton runs around yeah, on the field enough. He probably to still play better than our midfield. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he probably would. Well look, I think that just about wraps it up for uh Tonight's show, it's a bit of a post-mortem, although we uh, talked more about what's going on than the actual game itself. Uh, yeah, it's uh, unfortunately not much to really talk about the game, just how depressing it was. So that'll be it for tonight's show. So thank you so much for joining us, uh, fans, followers, and Stephen, Joshua, second Stephen as well. So we had Stephen Park and Stephen Trelaw for those who might be a little bit confused by the names. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. I'm still a bit confused myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. It's always a pleasure to come on. I wish it was under better yep. circumstances. Mm, thanks once again. We'll be back happier. We'll yeah, be happier we'll be at some happier. stage. Uh, we will so, be back. so, Justin, yep. before before we wrap up, are we going to do a cover the entire season and look at who we would like to trade for? live yes. podcast at some stage. Yes, we will be doing that. We'll have to probably wait um, until the end of the finals because then we get an idea about the contract state. Usually the club waits until the end of the finals to lock down those contracts. So once we have a bit of an idea, maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll do that. But again, we'll do this year, we'll try to do a, a uh, live draft uh, podcast. Uh, we're also in talks with the club to try and line up some, interview- some interviews with the... Um, sort of player management and drafting team as well. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll try to be back next week. Uh, we'll figure that out, and we'll, we'll do a bit of a, a bit more of a season discussion, talk a bit about the players, and sort of a look ahead at 2019, a little bit more of what we've done tonight. So, guys, um, until next time, I guess, go Swans. <laughs> go Swans. Uh, Please, please score more. Go the trade us. period is all I can say. Yes, I am looking forward to the trade period. Not this early, though. No. All right, guys, before we wrap up, uh, I want one go team from you, from whoever's left in, left in the finals. Josh? Oh, go Deeds. Steven? Yeah, Deeds for me. Loved one. Other Steven? Go Pies. <laughs> I'm hanging up. Go D's. Just sack him. <laughs> sack him. There's no way you cannot go for the D's. I I I will disown all of you. Wait. Oh, oh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify myself. I'm gonna say go Nathan Jones because that boy deserves one. Yep. 
Stephen Park, yeah, you yeah. suck, mate. I... No, come on. <laughs> I, I'm sick of it. It just reminds me of tw- 2016 with the Western Bulldogs. I hate these fairy tale stories. No, I don't no, deserve no. it. The tiger, Tigers downright deserve oh, to win. Just, that seems just, all right, I, I, I think we've had enough. I, I'm killing this. All right, yeah, that's the end of the. <laughs>